tonight and our stories with spirit, stories with spirit. We're going to talk about going through the fire, specifically with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so if you got your Bibles tonight, turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. The book of Daniel, chapter 3. And uh, how many know that sometimes God allows His servants to go through the fire to further His glory? But He's promised to be with you every step of the way. And He promises not only to be there, but to bring you out again. Amen? So let's pray this morning or this evening. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, you are an awesome God. And Lord, over the next few moments, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you'd be with us as we uh, go through your word, study your word, Lord, that your spirit would be among us, Lord, and you would bless those who are here with ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. 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 So through the fire, stories with spirit, our series on Sunday nights and these prayer meetings we're having. But let me give you the background real quick for Daniel chapter 3. So because of the faithful, faithlessness of Israel, uh, Israel is now in exile in the nation of Babylon. God has allowed the northern and the southern kingdoms to have gone into exile and all the tribes, several, a few, some a few people are in Israel. The rest are in Babylon. But in the midst of a faithless time and a season of darkness over the land, God has a holy remnant of faithful young people. And some of these young people you know, one as Daniel, and some of the others we know in a different name, but their real names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They find favor in the Lord. They are filled with the Spirit, gifted in the gifts of the Holy Spirit with wisdom, discernment, and guess what? Good looks. God gave them that gift too. These are good-looking young men who love the Lord in a time when it was very dark. And they're living on foreign land, foreign soil, and with pagan gods all around. And so they are standing fast and standing firm. And because of their gifting of the Lord, they find favor with the commander of uh, the kind of the upper courts of the king. The, the God, the commander who oversaw the magi, the scientists, the astronomers, and all of that. So they find favor with him, specifically Daniel. And you can read more about Daniel in the book of Daniel. Uh, but these three we're going to single out specifically. So uh, they begin to uh, grow in stature and favor with the king, so much so that the king begins to consult these men Ten times more than anybody else because the Spirit of the Lord upon them. How many know God can still favor you at your secular job or employment? Right? God can still use the system of this world and be favorous for you. Uh, and so they begin to see the favor of God in a pagan land and in a world that was not ruled by uh, Judaism. And we would say in the same today, you and I can find favor of God in a world ruled by man. In a world ruled by man. And that's what they begin to do. So much so that Daniel was promoted as the chief prefect over the whole province of Babylon, the main city center capital. Uh, and Daniel then appointed his friends, who they renamed, the pagans renamed them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when I was little, it was always Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my hardest not to say that tonight. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were administrators over all of Babylon. Isn't it awesome to think about that God can give you favor in a foreign land? You and I today are the church. 
And we live in a foreign land. The Bible says we're sojourners like Abraham passing through. And we can have favor in this world today. Uh, the Bible tells us that the end times there's going to be a great empire of Babylon, but it mostly means that Babylon is man's economy, man's government, and man's system. And we are living in a day where man's system rules the world. And just like that, it was a dark day. It would have been the end times for them. You and I can see those signs very clearly now, today, where it seems like the church is not leading anymore. It seems like we're the minority. It seems like everything is ruled by evil, wicked men uh, for going for gain or are ruled by their pleasures or power and greed. And so today, my challenge to you, before we even begin to get in this story, is do you believe God's power can be manifested in a time such as this? Do you believe God's power can be manifested in a day when the world no longer expects it? In a day when nobody in the world believes in it but just a handful of us? That's the day you and I live in, and it's the same day as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right? Look with me, Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to paralyze, uh, paralyze. I might paralyze your ears in a moment. I'm going to go over this story, and I'm not going to read it word for word, okay? But are we seeking to have God's Spirit in Babylon? If you're there, say amen. All right. The story goes like this in Daniel chapter 3. These guys have found great favor with the king, and actually the king actually likes them pretty well. Now one day, King Nebuchadnezzar, say that word three times, that name three times fast, King Nebuchadnezzar made a 90-foot-tall statue. Now, he's a pagan king of Babylon. And he begins to make a one-world order. Basically, he wants to unite the world under one banner of Babylon, bringing all the gods together and all the people together. And he begins to make this statue in his image. And he asks all of the national leaders to join him in, the, in this plain, uh, the plain called Dura. And he gathered all the leaders of the nations together to dedicate the statue. It would unite the world and it would begin to worship uh, this statue, this one united movement of man, one united society. Uh, and the herald of the court then proclaimed at that moment, they said, hey, when all of the music and the lyres and the timbrels and all these instruments, so all the instruments of all the empire begin to play. The order is that you should all bow down before the statue and worship it as you're pledging allegiance to the Babylon and to the king. And so they, uh, and the, the, the consequence, however, is if you do not fall down, you will be immediately cast into a furnace of blazing fire, Daniel chapter 3, verse 6. And so now when all the people heard the music, and they, what happened? They all began to bow down uh, and worship the golden image. But who did not? We know if you've known the story before, Daniel was likely away, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for whatever reason, we don't know where they were. They're not in the story at this point, but we know they did not bow down. Now here's these guys. They faithfully served the king. Uh, they weren't eating pagan food. They, they had already abstained from some things in their earlier years. But they're faithfully serving the king. And they did not bow down to the statue. Not only, number one, can we have favor in a foreign land, but number two, you and I can respectfully decline to compromise our faith. Here's what I think is interesting about this story. Not only did they have to make a line in the sand and say, this is how far I'm willing to go. I'll serve you. I'll respect you. I'll honor you. I'll do the job you've called me to do as the Lord enables me and the Lord leads me. But there are certain things I will not do. 
Uh, but they didn't bash the king. They didn't form a picket line outside. They didn't go on Facebook and bash the job that they had or the government they were working for. They respectfully shut their mouths and said nothing. And I respectfully declined to compromise my faith. I think that is so powerful because it was noted of their holiness. We'll see here in a minute. But you and I today in this world, it does not take us hating the world. We're not here to hate on the leaders. The Bible says respect your leaders, respect the government, pray for those who are in authority. We're not here to bash people. We're not here to say you're so wrong for why you believe this. They respectfully said and didn't say anything. Actually, I respectfully declined to compromise on their faith. But it was a boldness. Think about the uh, civil rights movement in a, in a way, kind of a sit in motion where we are a peaceable protest. They didn't cause a ruckus and they didn't say uh, they didn't, weren't sliding on their God and they weren't sliding on our God. They didn't bash the king. But here's the thing. Their holiness was noted. You do not have to go on this world's Facebook today or go around wearing a T-shirt or go around Bible thumping for holiness to be noted. Your holiness, if it is the Holy Spirit living in you, will be noted. Somebody say amen. We're not here to show off our Christian badges. We're not here to terrorize the world and, and, and make them feel the, the fires of hell breathing down their neck. While that is true, we want to be real and speak the truth. We're not here to be anger mongers. You don't understand what I'm saying today? We're here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ who loved and died for the world. And there is a heaven, there is a hell, but I can respectfully decline to compromise my faith. When that boss asks you to cheat, you can respectfully decline. When that person asks you to go to the bar with them, you can respectfully decline. When those things uh, your family gets involved with at family reunions and you, they want to drink and they want to have a good old time, you can respectfully decline. You don't have to judge your family. You don't have to bash them down and make them all whatever and make them mad at you. You can say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to leave it at that. And your holiness will be noticed. Okay, that's point one. Amen. Somebody say amen. All right. The next thing, though, is that they begin to accuse. How many know that if your holiness is noted, there's not long after that, it might be hated, okay? You don't have to try to get people to hate you in this world as a Christian. It's just going to happen, all right? And so a few Chaldeans, look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. A few Chaldeans, now Chaldeans, uh, it's kind of like a subset. It's like we're Louisianans, but we're in the United States, Okay, that's the same thing. Chaldeans and Babylon, Babylonians were kind of in the same people. They were captive people who began to assimilate into Babylon, okay? And there's a few of their co-workers, let's just say, uh, began, saw this act. And because they were promoted above them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are not real Babylonians, by the way, they're outsiders, they're not like the rest of us, they got favor, they got promoted over all of the whole province. And Daniel's the highest dude next to the king. And so when they see these faithful boys, these God-loving boys, they have something against them. And so they go to the king and they begin to turn them in. And they do it in the most polite, backhanded way. You ever, you ever people give you a backhanded compliment? You just want to give them the front hand back? That's kind of how it goes. And he says... Uh, so they, they, th these Chaldeans who were in the same ranks knew about what these young Hebrews did. Apparently their eyes were watching them. Let me just say that. Somebody's always watching you. Somebody's always waiting for you to slip up. 
Somebody's always going to be right there waiting to see if you bow down to the things of this world. But the moment you don't, they're still going to take notes. And look what happened. So they turned them in. And in a rage, King Nebuchadnezzar, he summoned them and look in Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. He says, Is it true that you do not serve my gods? Now, he already knew that. Or worship the golden image? Now, if you fall down and worship the image at the sound of the music, very well. But if you do not worship, you will be immediately cast in the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Here's the deal. He already knew that they did not worship his God. But here's what he wanted them to do. He wasn't asking them to give up worshiping their God. He just wanted them to worship his God too. Is that not how the world works? You can keep your beliefs. You can, you can pray quietly to yourself. But you also need to be participating in what we're believing in too. Amen, right? You can believe in God, but you also need to believe in evolution. You can believe in God and all these things, but you also need to believe in homosexual marriage. You can believe in God and do whatever you want to do, but you need to believe also in what we're teaching. And you need to get along with the crowd. You need to go with the flow. And they were respectfully declining. And I love that. Respectfully declining to compromise their faith. And so the third application you and I can see here is not only can we have favor in a foreign land, number two, we can still respectfully decline compromise. And here's number three. You and I will be hated for our holiness. You and I will be hated for our holiness. You'll be hated for the very Holy Spirit who lives in you. Jesus said you should expect persecution. It's coming. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. And no matter what worldly favor you think you have in your job, if it comes between, if it's in Jesus' issue, you better know you're going to fall on the side where the world is not going to like you. You're in that coworker in that waiting room. You're in that, that, that uh, uh, break room or whatever it may be. And if Jesus is the dividing line, you better be sure you're going to be hated for being on the other side. Because that's the spirit of the Antichrist in the world today. And so they're going to simply hate you. They simply hated them for having the Spirit of God in them. They, they looked at the Spirit of God who gave them favor. It's the Spirit of God that got them the promotion. And they hated that. They're going to hate the joy in your life. They're going to hate that you have a good marriage. They're going to hate that your kids are walking in the Lord. They're going to hate that your finances are in order, that you don't feel pressure of the things that are happening around this world. They're going to hate that you just have that good news every Monday morning when they're just coming off the hangovers of the weekend. You're there to be a blessing to your coworkers and to your bosses. That's what we're supposed to do, by the way, Christians. We're supposed to be a blessing to our bosses and coworkers. But you're going to be hated for it, so just get ready. God promised it. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 19, but when they hand you over, though, do not worry of how to respond or what to say. In that hour, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but who? The Holy Spirit of your Father will speak through you. I think about this when they're accused. Uh, I think about, you know, in the, in the news recently, there's been a, a few cases of soldiers who've had their Bibles open uh, on their desk who've lost their position because they refuse to say, no, that's not wrong. It's not, in the, it's not in the bylaws. It's not in the rule book. I can have that. Or we think about the cake bakers who've lost their positions as bakers, lost their homes, several of them. Think about the hotel owners in Europe around the, and in here in the United States who are Christian and refuse to compromise on their faith. We think about the Christian clubs that are going on right now uh, that are not able to meet on campus at our secular universities because they will not allow non-Christians, oh my gosh, to be leaders in the Christian club. 
uh, and, and, and they're not compromising. Uh, I think about the students that are uh, in our, some of our more liberal schools who are uh, forced to write the Quran and even recite Quran prayers. That's happening right now. Uh, uh, not only are we faced evolution, you know, 40 years ago, we're facing it out, things on a whole new level today uh, to believe that uh, people are born certain ways. And hey, yes, we're all born in sin. And there's a solution for that. Jesus Christ. Somebody said amen. So they, they, the worship of the golden statue happened. Here now they have them, they accuse. They're hated for their holiness, even though they respectfully declined the compromise, even though they had favor in their job. So they draw a line in the sand now. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Look at that. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Now, they've dri- they're drawing a line in the sand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Whew. This is the dude that holds our life in his hand. I don't need to argue this with you. We're not, this is not an issue up for debate at the moment. And so he says, If it be so... Our God, whom we serve, actually, by the way, is able uh, to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire. Now, he just said, now, what God is there among you? And I'm just going to let you know, hey, by the way, my God is awesome. And my God is going to beat your God any day. And there ain't nothing you can do to harm me that my God ain't allowing you to do. Isn't that what Jesus said on the cross? He said, hey, Pilate, the only reason you got me up here in these chains, the only reason you have any power to crucify me is because God just allowed it. My kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. You and I are not from this place. We're not subject. You know, we respect man's authority, but we're not subject to it. We honor them that we may love them and reveal Jesus Christ to them. But in the last day, church, you and I are going to be raised from mortality to immortality. This perishable takes on uh, imperishable. And so, by the way, that was a tangent. Okay, so he says, if it be so. Our God whom we serve is actually able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire and He will deliver us out of your hand. Now get that. He said, if it's His will, He may or He he can deliver us out of the fire. But guess what? He will, no matter what, deliver us out of your hand. Live or die, I'm going to win. You can take my car, my house, my tax rights or whatever. You can slander my name through the mud. You can kick my kids out of your school. But as for me and my house, we're going to win this battle either in this life or the next. And so they say, uh, so he is able to deliver us from the fire. And either way, he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And he says, but even if he does not, let it be known to you. This is my last words to you, O king. If he does not, we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. We respectfully shut our mouths the first time, but you're putting the line in the sand. And by the way, my God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made the foundation of the world. He breathed life into your mortal body. He actually holds your heart in his hand, and he's pumping it for you right now. But hey, by the way, whether you do anything to me or not, God's going to deliver me out of this. I'll either walk through that fire and straight in the gates of glory, or I'm going to walk through that fire and live to tell another day of how awesome my God is. Is that not the attitude we should be having in this world today? That we are respectfully declining. We're not getting angry. We're not feeding into the negativity of this world. And by the way, our God's pretty awesome. By the way, we're going to win this thing. And, and I'm not going to bow down to your gods or worship the, the Babylonian image and the idea of man's awesomeness that you've set up. And so filled with wrath, his face distorts, 
He orders the furnace to be heated seven times more than usual. He orders his best soldiers to tie the three men up, cast them into the fire, clothes and all. Now, normally it was not coat. They, they didn't put clothes on them normally. They normally stripped them down and threw them in there. But they left their clothes on them even to uh, be more fuel for the fire. Now, isn't that hor- horrible? And so, yet, as they're going up, because basically it's kind of like a... I don't know, you think about these ovens, and in the bottom you can put the wood, and in the top there's, uh, you see these old uh, potted, of, you know, the uh, clay ovens, right? And in the top they would throw these men down, and in the bottom they would stoke it. And these guys who were going to the top, as a big oven, and it's actually used for sacrificing children and people, by the way. And they go up to the top as they were throwing the guys in, they actually died themselves because the, the heat was so hot, hotter than it's ever been. Uh, and as they die, throwing them in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall to the bottom, still bound up, right? And Nebuchadnezzar's got a viewpoint of looking down at this furnace, okay? And so uh, they threw them in, tied up. Let's stop right there. Fourth application I'm going to get off of this is no, we should do our dear diligent to worship God no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Just as... Nebuchadnezzar tried to ensure their death. The devil is going to try to throw everything he can at the church in these last days. He's going to throw everything he can at the church. But you and I have to make a decision. I'm going to obey God no matter the cost. There's no room for discussion. There's no room for deliberation. They held their tongues. They were ready to die for their conviction. And simply that God will either deliver me in this life or the next. And either way... I trust my life to Him. Either way, live or die, I'll praise the Lord. When we go through our financial issues, and we go through our health issues, and we go through the emotional issues of this life, we go through uh, the having and the have not, do we have a decision in our hearts to say, live or die, have or have not, good season or bad season, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord alone. And so... Come what may, I win, right? You know, I know, and we're praying for uh, Chris's dad, Charlie. Charlie's going to win cancer. One way or the other, we're believing for healing. But at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And at the end of the day, you and I are all going to win. That's the hope, church. That's the faith. God can do it, right? God can heal us now. And God can heal us later. And it's already done. Jesus said, it's finished. I've made it possible. And so, whether we have good things or bad things, the hope and that we don't ever lose our worship is that we will overcome. We're going to win. We're going to win. And so, even Peter, when he gets to that place uh, in Acts chapter 5, when he comes before the Sanhedrin, he even tells him, he says, Leaders of Israel, we must obey God rather than men. Why? Because God has raised Jesus Christ. He's established Him as the Prince and Savior of the world. And He's given the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. I'm choosing in my life that God, no matter what happens, no matter if I suffer horrible tragedy, no matter, and we're choosing this in advance. You've got to do this in advance. Make up your mind ahead of time. I'm choosing that no matter if I have or have not, if, if the government decides tomorrow to take away the pastor's salary stuff that we have to have, if, if I've got to jump through hoops, if they want to uh, record our sermons, if, if the school system says this is it, this is what we're teaching, whatever it is, 
I make up my mind now to say, God, I worship you and you alone. And I'm going to win in your word, in your power, in your grace. And so no matter the cost, my job, my house, my reputation, my finances, I choose to worship God alone. If you're there, say amen. All right, so they, they apply, they, they got the worship of the golden statue, they've been accused, they've uh, been thrown in the fiery furnace. Now we know what happens, right? Let's look in then verse 25, chapter 3. So these devout Jews, they become human sacrifices to man's idolatry. But Nebuchadnezzar, he quickly stands up, he says to the officials, now wasn't it three guys, three dudes that we thought were, we cast bound in the midst of the fire? And they said, oh yes, king. And so he says, verse 25, he says, look... I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the Son of the gods, a divine being. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire. And he responded and called out, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Come here. He recognized in that moment there's something about these guys. There's something about these guys. You servants of the Most High God. And all the leaders gathered and they pulled them out of the fire they, or they got out of the fire on their own accord. The leaders came around them and they recognized the fire had not burned their bodies. Their hair wasn't even singed. Their clothes didn't even smell like smoke because of the glory of God. And a lot of us, and we believe in that moment and this is the, the theory that it was Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, who was in the midst of that furnace. Whether he sent an angel, I don't know. I like to think that it was Jesus himself, pre-incarnate, that he came down. And just like he's come down with you and us, he was God with them. The Bible says he's God with us, Emmanuel. In the midst of a stormy world covered in the sin and the filth and the soot of sin, on its way to a burning hell of a fiery furnace, God with us stepped in the middle of this world, Jesus Christ, and He says, it's going to be well for your soul, and it's going to be well for your soul because you've held the faith. You've, you've won over by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, right? And He says, uh, they were willing to pass through the fire. They were willing to pass through the the fire. God may not keep us out of the fires of this life, but He will be with us. He may not keep you out of the fires of this life, but He will be with you. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine that you will gain His approval because of your faith. You overcome because of your faith. And God loosens the bonds of the enemy. He delivers the faithful. And His righteous ones don't even have the smell of hell's smoke on them. How many people have been pulled out of the gates of hell? You were almost there and God just rescued you out. And now, hey, right? Amen. And you don't smell like it anymore. You don't smell like that sin and that stuff anymore. Even Jude now says, now church, go back and begin to match them out and don't love the smell of smell, the smoke anymore. Pull them out. Hate that stench of hell. We have all been rescued from hell. Isn't that awesome? And God has given you a new identity. He's given you a robe of righteousness. He's given you a new name. And the, de the man, mm, the world wants to put a new name on you, but God's got your real name. The, God want, the world wants to put identity on you. He wants to say you're no good, you're nothing, you're depressed, you're, you're, you're nothing, you're a negative, whatever. Label you as 
nothings at the end of the world. You're just small town nobodies from Gina, Louisiana. And God is saying, nope, that's my boy. That's my girl. And I'm Emmanuel, God with them. And when the world tries to throw them through the fire, I'll be with them. And I will deliver them out. And I love what Isaiah 43, our promise tonight, verse 1 says, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's a good promise right there. That's a very good promise. And so what happens? They get a testimony of God's glory. They pull them out. Nebuchadnezzar makes this great decree. says, if anybody ever speaks a bad word about their God again, they're going to be ripped from limb to limb. Now, he didn't totally get converted, unfortunately. But he, he praised God, made this great decree, and he began and he promoted them even further than they were. Favored them even further than they were. And the, just think about all the Hebrews uh, in captivity that just began to rejoice at what God had done to these other men. That, that, man, if God can do that for them, God can do that for us. That God is still with us in the midst of this world. I think, church, if we could be a people, a church, even in our own little area, our community, or in the United States, if the church would raise up and just some remnant of believers who said, I believe God can still work in a day like today, a dark day where we don't see the Spirit moving in so many places. But if we would be faithful... We respect the things of this world and the people of this world. We can have find favor in this world, but God's Spirit can still move today. And I'm going to worship God and be not compromising my faith. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to pray over my family that my kids would stand their ground. And God's favor be moving in our life. And that churches around the world, when they see that we pass through the fire, that God and His Spirit would be moving in our churches, they say, you know what? God can do it in Gina, Louisiana. Why can't He do it here? If God can do that in her life or His life... How come he can't do it in mine? And that's the encouragement that there are other people bound in slavery, bound in captivity, living in Babylon's world today. And you and I could just might well be the faithful ones who say, that person's got some worship on. That person's got the Spirit of God up on them. They've got some holiness I've been noticing. And they don't fall into the things of this world. They're not caught up in the news and caught up in the Facebook and caught up in all the things of this world and the drama and the cares and affairs of this world they got some holiness going on. They pray like nobody else prays. They love the Lord. I've never seen that person upset or mad. They have never, I've never seen them bitter. But God just seems to be moving on their life. Because why? And this is the last application before we close. It's because you and I have to come to realize we worship the King. We worship the King. You know what? It seems like evil is ruling the world right now. The world thinks it's one. It thinks that the church is this little bitty thing, that church is captive, that it's silenced her, bound her up, that it can do with her whatever it wills. They don't know our God. You know, there's a great tribulation, the Bible says, is coming, and many today, if it happened today, many would bow to Babylon's authority. Many would fall into idolatry who are sitting in the church pews today. They would go with the flow. But those who stand holy, you and I, may have to go through some of the fiery furnace. But the Bible says we need not fear, for He is with us. I love what one author says. He says, it's far better to go through the fiery furnace than to live in the lake of fire for all eternity. Amen. 
You and I, we can rejoice in suffering because the Holy Spirit rests upon us, the Bible says. We can stand holy knowing that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus as King, whether it's in this life or the next, in all authority, one day will be placed under His feet because Jesus has already won the battle on the cross. Amen? Amen. Through the fire, God, Emmanuel, is with you. Amen? Amen. Go ahead. We're going to start. We're going to go to a time of prayer here in this moment.